Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Snow can have a calming presence, wrapping the world in a blanket of white, but it can also act as a veil of secrecy, covering up things we'd rather not see. Today's stories rise up from those icy, frigid storms and into our homes, turning our warm bodies into frozen souls. First, Sapphire shares the grisly tale of Serbia's first vampire. Next, I'll investigate the story of some strange-looking snowmen around campus. And finally, we'll work a night shift in the middle of a snowstorm. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then, I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? The Vampire of Serbia. Did you know that one of the only words in the Serbian language that is used globally is vampire? It comes from vampir. Many cultures have their own variation of a vampire, but the word itself comes from Serbia, as does today's story, inspired by a submission from Alex. In the mountains of Serbia in the 1700s lived a man in a water mill. His name was Sava Savanovic. He was a gaunt, pale, hermit-like man, rarely seen in the daytime. Villagers would come to get flour from the mill, but never stayed long, as rumor had it that those who visited the mill never returned. One morning, a customer entered the mill to find Sava dead, with two unusual bloody spots on his neck. When the villagers moved his body, a yellow butterfly crawled out his mouth and flew away. The authorities investigated the scene, but the culprit was never found. After Sava was buried, the water mill was abandoned. The villagers said it was cursed. Many years passed and a poor young man named Strahinia fell in love with Radoika, the daughter of a wealthy landowner named Sivan. Sivan forbade Radoika to marry Strahinia because he could not trust that this penniless young man could support his daughter. But Strahinia was determined to prove himself to Sivan. If he could get the local abandoned mill up and running again, he too could become a wealthy man. My dear, Radoika begged, I know that you're trying to win my father over, but that mill is dangerous. It isn't worth it. Strahinia looked deep into her eyes. You are worth it. So Strahinia reopened the abandoned mill. Business was slow at first, but the villagers, desperate for a way to make bread, started trickling in to buy grain. Little by little, his business grew, as did Strahinia's confidence. But even so, he was still fearful of the old legends of the place, so he slept in a small windowless room that he padlocked each night, his gun always within reach. 
Every night, the inside of the mill would rattle as if someone was rummaging around. He was terrified. As soon as he was married, he would abandon the mill, he thought. Strahenia continued working while secretly planning his marriage. But each night, the rattling returned, growing closer to his door. Until one night, the door itself was rattling. On the eve of their wedding, the pounding was so hard, the door flung open and a tall, gaunt man looked down at Strahenia, who took aim with his gun. Who are you? demanded Strahenia. The man smiled. Who are you? You are trespassing in my home. Strahenia couldn't believe it. It was Sava. The man leapt on top of him and he fired at his chest. Sava screeched an unholy noise and flew up to the rafters out of the mill. Worried villagers arrived as Strahenia exited in a panic. Sava, Sava was here! An elder led Strahenia to a graveyard. There lay the old tombstone of Sava Sivanovich, but the earth above his grave was loose. Strahenia dug up the dirt, revealing the coffin. They pried it open and there, in the moonlight, with a fresh bullet wound through his chest. How do we kill an undying man? The villagers murmured. We hold him here forever, Strahenia replied as he took a metal spike from his overcoat and hammered it down through the corpse's chest. Sava's eyes flew open, his mouth agape. The villagers reeled back as a yellow butterfly slowly climbed out of Sava's mouth and took off into the night sky. Strahenia returned to his dear Radoka's home to share the good news. As he opened her bedroom door, he noticed her window was left open. In flew the yellow butterfly. It landed on her sleeping lips and climbed its way inside her mouth. Strahenia ran to get the butterfly out, but it was too late. Radhika's eyes fluttered open. Her warm smile turned to a devilish grin, revealing two sharp teeth in the pale moonlight. She sank her fangs into Strahenia's neck. And now, they would finally be together. Hello, my dark darlings. My favorite season, fall, is finally here. I'm not telling you how to live your life, but I save a lot of money on secondhand clothes so that I have more money to really enjoy myself on my nights out. Not to mention that I love to closet cosplay, and I give homages to classic horror costumes with statement pieces. Thankfully, my favorite online thrift store, ThreadUp, is such a perfect fit for my fashion meets economical tendencies. And if you love brand clothing, they have over 35,000 brands like Coach, White House Black Market, Anthropology, and so many more. Plus, the quality is there. Uh, some of the clothing even came with the tag still on. Not to mention that I love to closet cosplay and I saved 20% off on these killer Calvin Klein shoes thanks to my favorite online thrift store, ThreadUp. It's such a perfect fit for my fashion meets economical tendencies. So for a limited time, ThreadUp is offering Something Scary listeners a special deal for an extra 30% off your first order when you go to threadup.com SS. That's on top of the already low prices. So hurry and take advantage. That's T-H-R-E-D-U-P dot com slash SS. ThreadUp.com SS for an extra 30% off. Terms apply.
You know what's bad? Recommending a favorite horror film to a new friend and they're like, eh. You know what's worse? Buying something online and then finding out you could have gotten it for way less. That happens once to me and I'm always thinking that I'm overpaying when I shop. So luckily, I have Honey. It's a free browser extension that saves you money by scanning over 20,000 internet sites. You know, sites like Target or Amazon. It finds coupon codes and other discounts when you're shopping online, then automatically applies the biggest savings to your cart at checkout. So saving money with Honey kind of feels like having a helpful non-comporeal companion or a friendly ghost shopper, if you will. I chronically lose headphones. But thanks to Honey, I was able to save $5 off a pair of headphones that I really enjoy. So it was almost like I didn't lose them to begin with. Listen, there's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use and installs on your computer in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com SS. That's joinhoney.com SS. doesn't love the sight of a snowman come winter? Well, after this story inspired by Maggie, you might want to stay clear of them. Alan was a sophomore student at St. Thomas University in New Brunswick. It was December and finals were here. Even worse, weather predictions said that it was going to be the longest and coldest winter in decades, and snow was piling up hard across campus. Fierce winds kept most students inside during this time to study, including Alan. Well, students that were still left, anyway. This close to holiday break, the entire campus felt more and more like a ghost town as people finished their finals and went home. Thankfully, after some hard work, Alan was able to finish his last paper and collapsed happily in his bed. Drifting off to the whistle of the snowy winds outside, he went to sleep. It was around midday when he finally rolled out of bed to go deliver his work. Alan put on his coat and marched downstairs. Seeing that the weather had died down, he gleefully exited his dorm to outside, but something blocked his path. There, sitting in front of the door, was a snowman. It wasn't made very well. The bottom clumps seemed to lazily spread across the ground. It didn't have sticks for arms. Instead, Someone had actually fashioned limbs out of the snow, but those were very detailed and outstretched towards the door, almost like it was trying to grab the first person who came through. Alan was impressed by the work, but his breath caught as he inspected the face. Why did they have to make it look so disturbing? The snowman looked like it was screaming in pain. He stepped closer. Just then, the bell rang. Alan jolted out of his trance. Knowing that he had to deliver this paper now, he shouted back into his dorm. Really funny, whichever one of you jerks made this. Glaring, he moved past the snowman, rushing to the classroom. Class was short, just turning in the paper and class evaluations of the course. It was nice to finally be done with the year, Alan thought. He daydreamed as his eyes moved to the window. But something was out of place on the snowy courtyard. It was four more snowmen, all in various disfigured poses. Students just strolled past them, not giving a second thought. 
Alan laughed at himself. It was a performance piece. He began to relax, finished up the last class, and walked back towards his dorm. There were more snowmen out now, looking even more detailed. Alan was impressed with the craftsman's ship. He wanted to say something, but no one else was mentioning it. Maybe that was the point of the piece, to say nothing? Alan didn't want to seem weird, so he just kept his mouth shut. Walking across campus, he noticed that some snowmen were occupying places where people used to hang out. The big tree in the courtyard where people would meet up. They were even waiting in front of the vending machines, each one with that pained expression, like they were trapped in their own bodies. Alan finally returned to his dorm and went straight for his room. He'd rest up and get on the road early tomorrow to drive home to his parents. It'd be nice to be home for a while. Alan ate a quick meal, watched some TV, and went to bed. Tick. 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 Something woke Alan up. It was coming from his window. Alan checked the time. 3 a.m.? What the heck was happening? Little stones were smattering the window. Suddenly, a large stone burst through the glass. Alan jumped as it landed on his floor. He sprang up, shivering in the cold air, and looked out of the broken window. Outside, positioned in a wide line, stood rows and rows of snowmen. A dim lamppost illuminated the first row. There were so many, they seemed to extend into the darkness. Alan's heart pounded fast. Someone was playing a prank on him. A horrible prank. He had to stop this now. Grabbing a heavy textbook, he rushed downstairs and busted out the front door. There stood a disfigured snowman gripping its head in pain. Rage built up in Alan. He swung hard at the snowman's head, toppling it over. It hit the ground with a heavy thud. It did not break. Instead, Alan saw a patch of red on the snowman's neck. What looked like Blood leaked onto the earth. It was real. It was alive. Alan stumbled back in fear. Hundreds of snowmen were now pointing at him from the courtyard. He screamed and rushed back inside, slamming the door shut behind him and turning on the dorm lights. Rows and rows of snowmen stood across the halls of the building. Alan trembled. The building was ice cold. All the windows were open. He screamed for help, but the only answer he got was the fierce rush of wind blowing through the dorm. Frightened, Alan rushed up the stairs, up to his room, slamming the door closed and locking the door. Taking a deep breath, Alan turned around and next to his bed was a snowman. Alan was sure it was the same one from this morning with very detailed arms, but now it wasn't clutching its head in pain. It was smiling at him. Snow dropped to the floor as its frosty arm reached forward. Alan stared at it, mouth agape. It rigidly placed its hand over Alan's chest, pinning him in place. He jerked back in fear, reflexively grabbing the snowman's snow arm. Pain shot through his fingers. His hand had sunk through the snow and was gripping something hard and freezing underneath. It was way colder than it should have been. Alan tried to free his hand, but it was already cold, numb, 
useless, and the feeling was spreading up his arm. A similar sensation was in his chest, a numbing cold rising up from where his hand was being held. His eyes glazed over as he stared face to face with the snowman. It started to shake and chirk, knocking off snow across its body. Clumps of snow dropped to the floor, revealing a perfect ice sculpture underneath. It was still smiling. The sting of ice was enveloping his body. Alan tried to scream, but nothing came out but a puff of frosted air. Something was changing inside the sculpture. It started to glow red inside as if it was, as if blood was pumping through its veins. Everything was so cold. Alan grew weaker as the sculpture grew stronger. The sculpture's eye sockets started to glow red, creating two scarlet orbs. Alan's world finally went dark and his body collapsed to the floor. The sculpture exited the dorm and waited next to the big tree in the campus courtyard for the sun to rise. Surrounded by other ice-blood-filled creatures that had once looked like snowmen, they were now the only remaining population at this college. The sculpture felt the sun come up on its icy body. It had just fed, but already its face twisted in a spasm of pain. It was hungry again. That's okay. It felt it. The cold would stay longer this time. This land was theirs, and this time they would have their fill. The sculpture smiled and lifted its hands. The others went to work, using the handy camouflage, the snow. They packed it back onto themselves and their leader, until once again they all looked just like snowmen. Silently, as the December winds blew, the army of snowmen advanced on the neighborhood. Later, screams began echoing across the frozen landscape. Hunting season had begun. Oh my goodness, Maggie. That makes me think, why is it that we build snowmen anyway? How in the world did that start? It's almost like cavemen painting on walls. They did it not only to show themselves, but also to make sense of the horrors that was their world. Do we carry that on with snowmen? <laughs> Will you be making a snowman anytime in the future? Can't say that I will. Night shifts on jobs can be awfully quiet, but you never know who might come by to spice up your night. Like in this story, inspired by Anastasia. Nieva and Luke kept glancing at the clock. Time always seemed to slow to a crawl during night shifts. They lazily stocked shelves in the roadside gas station where they worked. It was midnight and a snowstorm was swirling outside. A flurry of snow battered the windows of the store as the full moon cast an eerie glow on the landscape below. Luckily for Nieva and Luke, they could chill out in the safety of the insulated little convenience store. But because of the weather, there also hadn't been a customer for hours. 
Meeting up all too soon at the last shelf to be stocked, Nieva and Luke slumped next to each other on the floor. Luke sighed, stocked some chips, and stared out into the night sky. Full moon tonight, huh? He said. What, you scared of werewolves or something? Nieva joked back. The two friends shoved each other playfully. On the contrary, and Luke pulled out a shimmering silver amulet from under his work shirt. Nieva stared. Luke rolled his eyes. It's a good luck charm. Grandma said, It's an amulet that would repel those that would do me harm. Whatever that means. Neva looked at him for a moment, then slugged him in the arm. Hey! cried Luke. Hmm, guess it doesn't work, said Neva. Rubbing his arm, Luke smiled at her. I guess brats are immune. The two of them laughed, throwing chip bags at each other and standing up from their work. Neva fanned herself. Luke always cranked up the heat when it snowed outside, and tonight was no exception. Her roving eye wistfully eyed the chilly night outside until her eyes fixed into a solitary figure, remaining stoic against the fierce winds. While the whirlwind of snow shot left and right, this figure remained motionless. Who is that? Nieva said as she approached the glass. Luke followed her over and stopped. He saw him too. An old man was staring at them from across the road. He looked to be wearing dark robes. His face looked grim as he peered out from the street into the window of the convenience store. His resilience to the cold was unnerving, and his isolation felt haunting. He wore a permanent frown on his face. His eyes were dark and piercing. Suddenly, a car swerved into the gas station, honking, barely missing the old man. Nieva and Luke gasped. Out of the car stumbled two loud partygoers. The two young women joked around, shouting and laughing loudly. But they quieted down as old man just stood silently. Oh, God, they almost hit him, said Nieva. The women took out a coat from their car and draped it across the old man. Finally, the old man moved. He turned towards the young women and raised his hand. As a strange blue aura flowed out from his hand, the women froze in their tracks. They seemed immobile. The intensity of the light flowed over them, brightening the night, pulsating, and then stopped. The women remained immobile, but seemed less there somehow. The old man then gently shuffled over to them, raised his hand, and gave one a little push. The woman toppled over onto her friend. Both crashed like ice when they hit the ground, collapsing into shards. Those shards scattered across asphalt like ice flung from a bucket. Nieva and Luke stared wide-eyed at the scene. The pieces of the women just looked like the icy ground outside. The old man paused, slowly turned back towards the window, and held up his icy hand. It pulsed again, radiating a hungry blue light. Nieva screamed as the old man took his first step towards them. He's coming this way. We have to do something, yelled Luke. Nieva rushed forward and locked the gas station door. She watched as each step 
the old man took seemed to radiate ice across the asphalt. His ancient all-black eyes peered out from a face filled with wrinkles. His robes whipped around him, trimmed with dark red fabric. And the aura he released seemed to collapse the world around him. This wasn't an old man. This was a demon. And it was coming right for them. It reached the doors and pressed its hands against the glass. The frosty aura spilled out across the surface. The glass door splintered and cracked, spilling onto the floor. Nieva and Luke gasped as they ran to the back. The demon stepped across the glass on the floor, never flinching. It held out a bony arm and pointed at Nieva. Nieva stepped backwards with Luke into the last aisle. No more room to run. The demon held up its clawed hand like before, the cold blue light splintering off like electricity, searching for a target. No, Nieva! Squeezing his eyes shut, Luke bravely stepped in front of his best friend. The amulet around Luke's neck shone bright, and the demon stopped. It seemed confused. Then it started grimacing in pain. Something was inhibiting it. Its hand drooped. The demon then extended his arm to redouble its efforts to attack. But as its power hit the amulet on Luke's chest, the force rebounded back at it. With a horrible sound, the demon's hand ripped from its body and fell to the floor. When it screamed in agony, Luke opened his eyes, confused, but Nieva could see what Luke's amulet had done. Give me that, shouted Nieva. Stepping around Luke, she slipped the amulet over his head and turned to face the demon that had come for her and her friend. She pushed the amulet further towards the demon. The demon tried to summon another burst of power with his other hand, but Nieva continued to walk forward thrusting the amulet at it. Its skin began to bubble as if heated from within. More pieces of the ice demon fell away from it and splattered onto the floor. Suddenly, the demon snarled and lunged at them both. Startled, Nieva tossed the amulet at his chest, and the demon burst into flames, falling back, its body sagging and melting across the floor. It let loose a final wail as the heat and flames engulfed it. Nieva and Luke backed up into a corner as the ice demon burned. The smoke detector started beeping and the sprinkler system rained down above them. Soon, they were both drenched as the fire began to fade. The melted puddle of the dead demon started to dissolve. Shuddering, Nieva grabbed the amulet out of the disappearing remains of the demon. She frowned. It was cracked and no longer shimmered. She handed it back to Luke. I don't know what we would have done without this. Does your grandma have any more of these? She asked, out of breath. I'd have to ask, replied Luke, equally winded. A symphony of sirens echoed out from down the road. The sprinklers continued to rain down, water mixing into what remained of the melted demon on the floor. Help was on the way, but how in the world are we going to explain this? Asked Luke. Thunderstruck, leaning against the glass refrigerators. Smirking, Nieva pointed up at the security camera above them. Thankfully, we don't have to. Luke spotted the camera and chuckled lightly. Nieva giggled as well. Relieved and laughing, the two of them shook their heads at the insanity of the situation as two large fire trucks pulled into the station, answering the call for help. 
thank you so much for this story, Anastasia. Wow, I... Do you wear any type of protection amulet? I'm wondering for those that are listening to this. And if so, from what? Personally, I do black tourmaline, supposed to guard against negativity. And if you don't wear a protection amulet, well, think about what would have happened with me and Luke. I mean, anybody that works a graveyard shift anywhere, I'd imagine you see the craziest things. And maybe you're just a really tasty morsel for whatever demon might come along at just the right time. Makes me think that they should have a government agency that would investigate unexplainable events like this. I wonder if they do. This week's podcast stories were edited by Zach and Brogno, Marquia McCarty, Adam Sinker, and Sapphire Sandalo. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send us an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.